nevertheless, uh, when I came here, I didn't know who I was, uh, but y'all welcomed me and, and loved me well. So I went back home, bragging to my wife about the experience, and I'm confident I will do the same uh, today. So, Pastor Mike, I appreciate you for extending the invitation for me to come and worship with you guys. And as he said, I got my wingman, uh, sidekick with me, uh, my son, uh, my oldest son, Artez Jr., we call him AJ for short, and uh, my wife, as he said, she has the other two kids, uh, my four-year-old girl and uh, my one-year-old son. So uh, divide and conquer, if you will, you know, work this thing out as a team. So pray for her uh, as she's uh, holding it down up, up there, up the road. But uh, I'm excited to share God's word with you guys today. Uh, I don't have uh, a, a, a special 4th of July message uh, for you guys, but I, I do think uh, what we're talking about this morning, it applies. Um, it's definitely timely, and it's the theme of rest. And so we're in the thick of summer right now, especially coming on the holiday weekend. And I believe it's, it's something that we all need to be reminded of. <clears throat> what does true rest uh, looks like, and I'm not just talking about, you know, catching a nap. I mean, some of us probably need a nap. Um, I know I do time to time for these kids, but uh, I'm talking about something a little bit more deeper than just a nap. And so we'll be looking at uh, an account in the Gospel of Mark, and I would love for us to just take some time to glean from the life of Jesus about this whole idea of rest in the Father. And so if you have your Bible or device, or if you want to just look up here, uh, we'll be spending our time in Mark chapter 1, verses 29 to 39. Hear the word of God. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with the fever. And immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her. She began to serve them. That evening, at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases cast out many demons and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed or literally there he was praying. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him and they found him and said to him Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we, we come humbly. Uh, in your presence this morning, asking you to do the work that only you can do. And that's to open our hearts. 
to open our eyes and our ears to receive what you have for us through your living, inspired, eternal word. And so, God, I pray you would protect us from distractions. But God, I also pray that we would listen, we would receive with gratitude what you have to say to us. And this is your name we pray. Amen. I'm so busy. Three words that many people can relate to at any given time. I'm sure when I said those words that many of you guys like, yeah, amen, brother. I'm busy too. You're either coming out of a busy season, currently in a busy season, or you're about to go into a busy season. Journalist Gary Brunson, he published an article for his research for Howard about how successful people protect their time. He goes on to say, I'm so busy. Three little words we say all the time as a way to decline invitations. It makes sense. Time is the most precious commodity because unlike money, we can't make more of it. But guess what, he says, everyone is busy. So while you may think the message you're sending with, I'm so busy, is saying, I'm really slammed. What the other person really hears is, what I'm working on is more important than you. I know it's a generalization, but it still rings true for all of us this morning. We all have something going on, but something has to give. I mean, we're just busy people. All kinds of things that's demanding our time. That's demanding our energy, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. That's their their home project we have to get done, or schoolwork that we have to complete. Yes, over the summer. Uh, There's summer camps for our kids, businesses to manage, church engagements, unexpected fires to put out at work, trips to take, people to get time with, and even this one, shows to catch up on, you know, the Netflix and Hulu. And, um, I'm not going to sit up here and tell you that I haven't binged a couple times, so uh, it's good sometimes. But we're busy. But let's be honest. We live in a culture that promotes and glamorizes productivity, <coughs> that, that, that glamorizes busyness, grinding, burning it at both ends. Don't get me wrong. Certain seasons requires that. Maybe more hours at work uh, to provide for your family. But nevertheless, it is this overarching theme that our culture is selling and pushing towards us. We work hard so we can play hard and rest hard. And even that vacation sometimes doesn't always hit the way you thought it would. But the heart of the matter, it, it isn't primarily about being busy or about being productive, because those things aren't simple within themselves. But I will say this, this, I'm convinced that the downfall for many of us is that we intentionally and sometimes unintentionally reject God's invitation to come and rest in Him. So is this true of your life as you stop and examine the past couple months, past couple weeks, of your life. But brothers and sisters, our Savior, He's calling all of us 
to gladly accept his invitation to come and to rest in him. But on the other side, to reject this belief that we don't have enough time to rest in God. So hear me again. Busyness and productivity isn't bad. As we just read in our text this morning in Mark gospel account, Jesus himself was a busy man. I mean, he always had something going on. But I, I want to just do a quick recap of just a 48-hour period in Jesus' life. So you think you're busy. Let's look at uh, Jesus' itinerary, if you will. And this is all in chapter 1 in verse, I'm sorry, in uh, the book of Mark. So let's recap. We see he first calls his disciples, these teenagers, these uh, common, ordinary fishermen. We see him in verses 21 to 28, healing a man with an unclean spirit. We also see him healing Simon's mother-in-law of a fever. And also many who came to the door knocking, asking Jesus to heal them physically. We see him preaching in the synagogues. In verses 40 through 45, he's cleansing a leper. Jesus had a lot going on. But one verse that always blows my mind, every time I read this account, is verse 35. It says, in rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed. He went out to a desolate place, and there he was praying. I mean, we could spend hours just on that verse alone, <laughs> trying to unpack uh, all the depth and the richness of what was going on, but we ain't got hours. So, uh, with that being said, the time that we do have, I, I want to submit to you, this is just my, my main idea of this whole entire sermon, is that Jesus demonstrates to us the value in seeking rest in the Father, even in the midst of a busy life. Jesus demonstrates to us the value of seeking rest in the Father, even in the midst of a busy life. So, I have to submit this question to you. Is this rhythm of rest evident in your life? And I ask myself the same question. But as we look at this text, I, I want us to examine or make just some observations of Christ's actions. But I want us to think about three reasons why we should cultivate this rhythm of rest. And the first reason is this. We have limitations as humans that should humble us before God. We have limitations that should humble us before God. It doesn't matter how fit you think you are. doesn't matter how young or youthful uh, you believe you are, how wealthy or educated. We all have limitations as humans. And it's the pride that swells up in us and it leads us to believe that we don't need to slow down. We don't need to stop for rest. I, I would just say that's something that goes against our, our, our nature. It's the pride. But brothers and sisters, we need to be weak. It's a good thing to be weak and to acknowledge that we need God. We need God to fill us up. But the beauty, as we see Jesus who is God, the beauty of the doctrine of the incarnation is that God became man 
to identify with us, to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. So he humbled himself and he wrapped himself in flesh so that we can have a suitable Savior to sympathize with our weaknesses. So Jesus intentionally and perfectly embodied a rhythm of rest throughout his life. We see him slowing down to be restored by the Spirit and the Father's presence. There were many people who demanded his time. There were still people who had to be healed. He had relationships to be cultivated, right? I mean, he had his disciples. They were living life on life with him. Um, No matter where he went, they was with him. And so you see these small episodes of him departing from the crowd, even departing from the disciples, to get away, to just just relax. And so if Jesus, who is God, stopped in the midst of a busy life, how much more are we? So we need to be refreshed physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. There's so much stuff that's going on. I was reading just a prayer request um, in a bulletin of all the different kinds of needs. Uh, we're, we're people who are affected with all kinds of things that's going on in our personal lives, in our families, uh, in the community. So we need to stop. We need to be refreshed. And there's so many blessings to, to stop and just to just sit in the presence of God. Think about the psalmist. In Psalm 16, verse 11, it reads, You will fill me up with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. There's so much to, to benefit for, from by stopping and sitting in the presence of God. We have limitations. We need to be reviewed. I can't help but to think about, um, let's see, three or four years ago, uh, I got into running. Um, I, I've never been a runner in my life. I played sports, but, you know, nothing long misses anything. So um, I was looking for a challenge. And a good friend of mine, um, he kind of put the bug in my ear. He said, hey, we should sign up for the St. Jude Half Marathon together. I'm like, Half Marathon? What is that? He said, it's 13.1 miles. I'm like, 13.1 miles? I, I can't even remember last time I walked 13.1 miles, let alone run 13.1 miles. But nevertheless, we set out. We had a goal. We started training. You know, we would do several runs throughout the week. And gradually, I could see myself getting more and more prepared for this race. I was pretty impressed. Like, man, this, this is good. It's life-giving, right? So I can remember, if any of y'all are familiar with the uh, St. Jude Half Marathon, or St. Jude uh, Race Week, they have it every year. And it's a huge event. You're talking about thousands of people uh, come from all over the world uh, and participate in this race. Uh, hundreds and thousands of people are around the city. Uh, cheering and supporting uh, the runners. So I remember coming up to the race, it was a lot to take in, but I was excited. I had my playlist in, you know, I had my this, this belt that had these, like, you know, uh, I don't know, these juice packs that kind of give me an extra boost when I needed. It. it was a whole thing. So I remember I took off, right? First three miles, not a big deal. Man, this is easy. I'm loving it. You know, music in, I'm just kind of taking in the scenery. But around five, six, seven, I started feeling. But one thing I was getting excited about, you see, in the race, they had these hydration stations, right? 
So it's people on the side of the race, and they handing out these cups. And so as the runners, this is my running uh, impersonation. Uh, as the runners are running, you know, they kind of stop like a pit stop. Get some water, get some Gatorade, pickle juice. They had all kinds of things on the side of these, uh, on the side of the road. But I can just remember, that was enough motivation for me when I could see this huge sign that reads, Hydration Station in two miles. So I'm booking it. I can't wait to get to the hydration station in two miles. And just to get a little sip, just to refresh me to keep going. I end up finishing the race. It was miserable, but I'm glad I did after all. But I appreciate that experience, brothers and sisters, because it do, it reminds me on a deeper level spiritually. You see, the Christian life is, is sort of like a marathon. It ain't a sprint. And so on this long, hard marathon, we as believers get tired, we get drained, and we need to slow down and stop and sip from God's hydration stations. So you're probably asking, okay, what does it look like? Is God handing out a, a cup of water towards us? Not, not necessarily, but I believe God's hydration stations can come in the form of corporate worship so encouraging just to see so many of you guys coming. I mean, you don't, you don't get paid for, you know, to come here. And, uh, there's not an attendance <laughs> uh, sheet in the back that passes my, okay, uh, check. But you're coming because you know you need to be filled from the Lord and his means, from the songs that we sing, reminding us about his love, reminding us about our position in him. That refreshes us from our fellowship from the prayers, from my sister's testimony. i never forget that. You know, we got one sister over here, she's translating. She even translated the tears. <laughs> and that, that did something to me. And so we have these corporate hydration stations as we take in the means of God and eventually at some point in the service, we're going to take the bread, we're going to take the cup which reminds us of his blood and his body. That is a means to strengthen us on this marathon, this Christian journey. So you have the corporate, but you also have the individual. So hopefully, you know, on Sundays, this ain't the only time that you're connecting with God. But hopefully throughout the week, there's a time that you are reading his scriptures. There are times that you have times of prayer. Sometimes there are times you just have times of silence just to meditate on his goodness. Recall his faithfulness in your life this past year. So these are the things that we need to fill us up, to restore us. Why? Because we have limitations. Looking back on that race, nobody finished a whole race, whether that's a half marathon or a full marathon, without stopping and getting something to drink. And so my encouragement to us, may we stop frequently to drink from the means of God. That's one reason why we ought to cultivate this rhythm of rest because we have limitations. The second reason I believe we ought to cultivate this rhythm of rest is because we were created primarily for relationship with God. See, we often forget that God's relationship with us is literally life-giving in every aspect every season, there's never wasted time spending with God. You may feel that way 
uh, binging on YouTube videos or whatever that may be. Like, man, I just wasted like 20, 30 minutes of my life. Spending time with God is never a wasted time. The beauty about God's relationship with us is that he's been the pursuer. He's been the initiator from the beginning. And we get the privilege to be the responders, the recipients. He's initiating creation. He's initiating salvation. And in Christ, by faith through grace, he has called us into this irrevocable union with him. So because of his covenant... He's sworn with himself. He can't separate himself from us. We can't separate ourselves from him. No matter those hard seasons in which we kind of stray away a little bit or, you know, there's extended seasons of doubt. God, do you still love me? How could you after this, this sin I committed? If you're in Christ, you can be assured that the work that he started, he will complete in you. That's the beautiful, that's the beautiful doctrine of our union in him. So there's this union that, that, that can't be separated because it's, it's based on God holding us together in Christ. But there's another aspect that comes out of that, our communion with God. And like I said, when you think about communion, maybe you think about what you're going to partake in. But there's, a, there's this reality in which nothing can separate us from God because of the union. But when it comes to our communion, there are times we feel distant from God, right? And so communion is it's, it's a word, you know, maybe churchy word. I don't use it every day. I'm a pastor. But it's important. It's, it's the act of conversing or associating with someone. It's the act of conversing or associating with someone. Uh, Professor Kelly Kepik, I think that's his name. Um, he says, relationships cannot be life-giving sources of strength if we are not present in and to them. Communion with God is it's a deep need for every human, whether we acknowledge it or not. Communion with God is how we are made to function, and it's ultimately about a loving and very present relationship with the triune creator. The times we feel the most empty, drained, discouraged, distant from God is probably due to those prolonged days or weeks without communing with Him. Trust me, I've been there. And so this rhythm of communing with God isn't is, is it just for the pastor. It's not just for the ministry leader. You know, hey, Pastor, you got all the time in the world to just, you know, commune with God all day long. This is not just for the ministry leaders, but this is for all God's children. And so, like I said earlier, it's it's going to take intentionality. It's it's one extra. Th- it's always that one extra thing to do, or it's always that somebody that's asking something of you. Sometimes it's good things. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes we got to say no to the good thing, to say yes to the best thing. So what's what's your next step? How, how do you how do you progressively move forward in, in, in making this a rhythm of your life? Well, I think a good place to start is looking at the life of Jesus. And I believe he kept it really simple. In our text, we see Jesus got up early 
really early. I mean, I don't need the birds when you chirp. It was really, it was dark. <coughs> he got up early to be with the Father. And he was alone. So it may be early for you. Some of y'all saying, Ortez ain't the early bird. Okay, uh, maybe it's late for you. When the kids go down, get home from work, maybe it's late. See, Jesus went to a desolate place. Where is that place that you can go to to eliminate as many distractions to hear from God and to be refused from God? Maybe it's a park somewhere. Maybe it's a lake. Maybe it's in your driveway, just sitting in your car before you go in and say, God, refresh me right now. <coughs> I, I, need to, I need to hear from you. I want to... I want to I wanna feel you. Would you help me before I go into this job, this workplace, or before I go into my house to, to give? God, would you fill me up? But let me give you some encouragement on the front end. We're not going to do this perfectly. We're not Jesus. But there's grace. There's grace to fill. There's freedom. There's freedom to be creative. Just, just try something. Make time for them. As Christians, this is the most important relationship in your life. And he is the ultimate source of renewal. See, first, we have limitations as humans. Secondly, we saw the third, I'm sorry, the second reason why we should cultivate this rhythm of rest is because we were created primarily for relationship with God. And lastly, I want us to see the third reason why we ought to cultivate this habit of rest is because God refreshes us to bless others. God refreshes us to bless others. It's, it's still amazing to read about the kind of schedule Jesus had on any given day. Um, he had no time that was wasted. Again, Jesus being fully human, he had physical needs. He needed to rest. But he chose to, to get up early, go some distance to get away from the people and to pray to the Father. But we don't know exactly what Jesus was praying. Other gospel accounts, we see Jesus' words right, of what he's praying. But we don't know exactly what Jesus is praying in this instance because the scriptures, the scriptures doesn't give us these details. But Based on the context, we can make an educated guess based on his response in verses 37 and 38. We see the disciples are awakened from their sleep. Maybe they touch and they feel, wait, Jesus is gone. <laughs> so they get up frantically, looking for him, sitting out a search party, um, looking for Jesus, and they end up finding him. But look at Jesus' response to Peter when he asked him, where have you been, essentially? Verse 38, Jesus responds, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. So don't miss this. That time Jesus spent with the Father wasn't just about Jesus getting some alone time, if you will. He probably was praying to be refreshed by the Spirit to continue on his mission by bringing people into a relationship with him. 
You see, our time spent with God vertically affects our horizontal relationships. You see, our slowing down and stopping and resting in the Lord, it's just not about us. It's not just about Mike. It's just not about our Ted's. But it's about others as well. So, uh, let me think about it. We, we live in a broken world. We, we live in a world that's filled with injustices. Um, we live in a world that's filled with sickness. Um, and so can you just, just, just think about the times we spend with God. Coming out of those times and, and thinking about others. How can I spur my brother and my sister on towards love and good deeds? You see, we can't give what we don't have. And so the blessing, if, if, if we were a people of God that took this seriously, that these rhythms were evident in our life, and they probably were, well, I'm not saying they're not completely evident. But if we see Jesus coming out of this time of a prayer with the Father, and his immediate response, let's go on. <clears throat> I, I, was, I was sent on a mission to bring other people into the fold. I was sent on a mission to bring life, to bring joy, to bring encouragement. And so when I think about even me personally, there's so many times I've been encouraged by a brother or sister word. And, and, and I wouldn't say that they just kind of, you know, must up this, this cute word and, hey, brother, you know. But I'm, I'm convinced that they were in their prayer closet. They want to walk. They were in the presence of God. They, they stopped. They slowed down to be renewed and to be refreshed so that they can pour out into someone else. There's people who are not saved. We know the end of the unsaved. Romans 6.23 and other places. It ain't pretty. How would it look for us as Christians to, to intentionally have these moments of, of refuming in the Lord so that we can have something to give to the lost. Yes, we're not Jesus. But just like God has sent Jesus on a mission, the Father has also sent us on a mission as well. So this rest I give, yeah, go on vacation, go to the lake, whatever that may be. But just, just know there is a, there's something else on the other side of that rest. God is filling us up to be poured out to other people. Malik was the good news that Christ came to rescue us from our idols of performance and just doing it. We just want to do, 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 do. But he came to rescue us from just doing to just being with him. Many of us are walking around empty and too drained for others. But don't let that be the theme of your life. Take that next step. Rearrange your schedule. Talk to your significant other, whoever in your life that, hey, I'm going to make some adjustments to my schedule so that I can make sure I have potential time, which is me and God. As we conclude, we need to know that slowing down <coughs> is actually a blessing to us to experience true rest. And this true rest is found in humbling ourselves before God. 
and acknowledging that we can't do it all. But God is, God didn't expect you to do it all. He's not asking you to do it all. This is true rest. We need to acknowledge the fact that true rest is, is found in trusting God's authority, his power, his wisdom, his love with our lives, especially in those busy seasons. Have you experienced this, this rest? So don't let your busyness, don't let your pride stop you from accepting this invitation to slow down, to be filled up, to experience this true rest in a good, gracious, patient, and a kind God that we serve. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for Christ that he didn't leave us to just figure it out on our own, but he showed us. He not only showed us, but he's with us. He goes before us. And so I pray that you would meet all of us where we are in the various seasons that we are. Tired, stressed, depressed. God, I pray that we would respond to what you have been initiating in our lives. That we would grasp hold to the means that you provided for us to be refueled, to be renewed in you so that we can be a blessing to others, so that we can pour out what you have poured into us. God, thank you for loving us first. Because of that, we get to love you and love others. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.